Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. It's Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey now, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I am your host for one more day, so we're going to go out with the bang. I am Damon Cotton alongside me, Danny Smythe, and behind the wheels of steel, Jared Q. Justice. I know, right, Jared? I just wanted to give you a middle initial there. I know it's not Q, but just roll with it. You don't have to make the face. But yes, a great show that we have lined up today. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. It's good to be back with you guys. One more day. Let's let's make this a great one so that we can replace Q. <laughs> the show is so good that they say, Q, you know what? Make that ex- extended vacation. You know what? He always makes that joke. That's why you can't take days off in radio because eventually that's how somebody takes your spot. Yeah. And I always say, you know, if that was if it was meant for that person, you know, it was just meant to be. You know, if, if that person is so good in the couple of days you take off that, that that whatever, you know, station is just like, you know what, you can stay at home. Why would you want to block that person's blessings? Hmm? See, it was meant to be for that person. But no, Q always makes that joke. And when you take days off in radio, that's when they replace you. And that's why he tries to avoid taking days off. Well, obviously, we're <laughs> not going to replace him. But he he does need to take more days off because what does he take, five a year? Yeah, this vacation. I mean, he had the Hawaii vacation. Maybe that's just going to be his annual thing now. It's just the one Hawaii vacation, end of June, start of July, and then never takes another day off besides that. I do find it a little strange that he's coming back for three days and then he's got a four-day weekend. I don't think I don't think he's taking the four-day weekend, no one Q. I was about to say, there's, there's a four-day weekend? Oh, I know there's a federal holiday, but I'm saying I, was, I don't think Q's – Q doesn't take federal holidays. Yeah. The man worked on Juneteenth. Yeah, they're going to have to make, they're gonna have to forcibly tell us to not come into the building. Well, you they're don't gonna have, have to, to work. It's 4th of July. Maybe we'll take the – I haven't thought about this. The 4th's on a Monday? Oh, no, the 4th is Tuesday, so you guys do have a Monday show. Yeah, you're going to do, a, you're gonna do a Monday show, have Tuesday off, and then do oh, – Why do you guys get Monday off then? Because I'm out of town, so instead of having somebody fill in on Monday, they just canceled press box on Monday. Oh man, that sounds great. There's national programming. <laughs> so then they just got Jared to do Wednesday, and then I come back on Thursday. Man, so I have a five day weekend. Well, congrats, Danny. Man, a five day weekend. Actually, I take that back. I have to. I'll be here running the Aces game on Saturday. You know what? You should find somebody else to do that too. Oh, I am. You know, this is programming on the fly. Just, you know, put the feelers out there. Well, Fenhus is training, but his training is going to be running the whole game while I sit there if he has questions. Uh, he's had enough training. I mean, <laughs> you see how to do it. You press a couple of buttons, grab the highlights. He, he He's a great guy, a great employee. Fen he Huss. is. Yeah. Wish he could have came in today. I mean, it would have been nice to have Fenhus in, but. You're stuck with forward. me. Yeah, we move forward. We got Well, Jared. we're not stuck with you. We're happy to have you back there. Of course. I mean, but yeah, stay over there behind the. Yes, okay, all right, I'll I'll be quiet. (laughs) All right, (laughs) got a great show for you today. Got a good lining up. Mason Gordon, the CEO of Slam Ball. Everybody remembers Slam Ball. Who didn't like Slam Ball? Remember Spike TV? You give me if you could give me a double header of Slam Ball 
and Pros versus Joes on ESPN right now, whichever day of the week they would want to slot that in, whatever time slot, I'm watching it, I'm DVRing it, and ESPN would have me locked in for an hour of programming. I agree with Slam Ball. However, I will replace Pros versus Joes with American Gladiator. They just did a 30 for 30, and I didn't watch all of it, but it looked kind of sad. That, <laughs> dude, I, listen, I don't know. So we know, need to bring back American Gladiator? I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but that show was awesome. Okay, in front of the camera, awesome show, spotlights, the American flag, behind the scenes. Yeah, Devon kind of nailed it. It was like very much like almost sort of pre-Attitude uh, Era WWE where you're like, wait, that guy was addicted to what? Yeah, you know how you watch something, like you you, you sit down, you're you're in the middle of it, but it's like, uh, I'll watch like five, ten minutes of this, see if I like it, maybe I'll stick around. I watched like five, ten minutes of that American Gladiators, so not only am I starting like 20 minutes behind, all I know is, man, this is some messed up this stuff. Is, this I, is depressing. Yeah, this is, this is not a good hang, and since I don't know how we got here, I don't want to stick around. What if I, so, I think you were right with pros versus Joes, because I genuinely have, like, Things that I think about every once in a while from watching Pros vs. Joes over a summer in be- like in between high school. And one of them <laughs> was a guy hitting a like pull barely like barely across the pole home run and him breaking down in tears like I could have been something. <laughs> I could have been something. I told you I played minor league baseball. I told you. And it was just like, yeah, buddy, that wasn't sad at all. <laughs> and then the other one, the other one was whenever they'd have a linebacker, like an actual former linebacker out there. And they'd be like, yeah, you just got to run through this this hole. And uh, you don't you don't know where the line the former professional linebacker is going to be, and the former linebacker would just lay out a forty five year old man. Yeah, yeah. Every 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 aspect of pros versus Joes are great. So we're one way we're we're part of the way there with Slam Ball coming back, and it's going to be July twenty first. And Mason Gordon, the CEO co creator, he's going to be joining us at two thirty to talk all about it. Then at three o'clock, it's Tuesday. You know what that means. John McClain is joining us on the show. The general, I mean, an encyclopedia of football knowledge. Love talking to John every Tuesday. The NFL, this is the, I want to, because the NFL, it's 365. We all know that. But the stories are getting a little slow this time of year. You know, I think the biggest thing that came out today is that the NFL is probably going to force the Jets to do hard knocks. And I want them to. I want the Jets to be on hard knocks. Mainly because I want Aaron Rodgers to just be followed by a camera. Because I want to see what he's going to say. Oh, uh, he'll be so angry. Oh, man. I'm just imagining. John Hamm still does. Does he still do the uh, the voiceover for oh, it? Oh, no. That's Leo Schreiber. Oh, okay. Leo Schreiber. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just can't. And that's when he went to the ayahuasca convention. Yeah. I love Leo Schreiber. He hasn't, ta- he hasn't shown up to training camp yet. But here he is with a bunch of long-haired hippies. He was fantastic in Scream. Which Scream? He was in Scream 2 and then died at the beginning of Scream 3. All right. I mean, horror movie expert Danny over here, so I'm definitely got to take your word for it. Which uh, character do you have tattooed on your leg? I have Ghostface, which is Scream, and then uh, Jason, Mike Myers, and Freddy Krueger. All right, so yeah, if you if you say Leah Schreiber was in Scream, I've got to believe you 1,000% of the way. Is he good in it? He played Cotton Weary. 
He was the suspect who <laughs> sub- he went to jail. He was falsely accused of, of killing Sidney Prescott's mother. Wow. And then he ended up dying trying to save his girlfriend at the beginning of Scream 3. That's why you don't try to save anybody in a horror movie. 3.30, Ed Graney <laughs> joining us on the show from the Las Vegas Review Journal and our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. Talk to Ed. I mean, he's been on the Golden Knights beat for a very long time now. He even told me, hey, man, the Raiders, like they've been on the back burner a little bit because of all the news that's been around Vegas. So we're going to talk to Ed about the Raiders, but also get a VGK fix because they're going to have to make some decisions this offseason. Get Ed's thoughts on who VGK is going to bring back and the Las Vegas Raiders. But guys, I've got to ask some questions for today. Got to get to our show questions, but we'll do that as soon as we jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. All right, got a couple of questions for you. You know, pick your own choice when it comes to what we're going to be talking about on today's show. I saw an excerpt from Richard Sherman's podcast. He had on Lane Johnson, a future Hall of Fame right tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he was talking about, well, Richard asked him, hey, can you name your top four pass rushers and he named his top three you know he he eventually tried to tack on some guys but max crosby was a part of that top three they're all like so unique i I would say um you know miles i I think max crosby is a really good player um you know tj watt those guys man they're so i mean obviously they're they're skilled but those players man they're so smart they they look at your stances and they're looking at your eyes so a lot of stuff you know, maybe you can get away with, with lesser players. Those guys there, you got to be at your best. Got to be at your best with those three guys. So I asked the question to you, Raider Nation, and you can be a part of the show. You can call us at 702-365-9200, or you can text us on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Is Max Crosby a top three edge rusher? I feel like we always have this conversation, but I think it's solidified now. He gets the praise from his peers. He gets the praise from the people who watch the tape. You know, Brian Baldinger from NFL Network, he is super high on him. So I just asked the question because I really believe it. I think that he could maybe make a run for Defensive Player of the Year. I know you want the wins, but I think just his individual stats alone, he should be in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. So you guys can answer the question as well. Do you think Max Crosby is a top three pass rusher in the NFL? Top three for me is very tough. Top five, yes. Yeah. But when you think, just just to name off three names that could be ahead of him, you have T.J. Watt, you have Miles Garrett, and you have uh, Bosa, Nick Bosa. I almost have him. I probably have him tied with Joey. Is the other problem is that I'm like I he's probably four A and compared to four B. But yeah, I agree with your. I agree with those top three, and the only reason why I'm saying he may not be top three, and trust me, last year I bet on him for defensive player of the year because I thought with Chandler Jones he was going to get a lot more, a lot more sack opportunities and a lot more disruption opportunities, which he did get. And if you go back and look at that film, there and Raider Nation, I'm agreeing with you because I I saw all the <laughs> tweets. I saw everything. I heard the show. I heard the callers. I understand where you're at. 
there were so many non-call penalties against Crosby. Like, he was held, I would say, three out of every four plays. Ooh. And a lot of times it didn't go called. It it did get called a couple of times. But, I mean, I think he finished with, what, 13 sacks or 14 sacks, somewhere in that ballpark. He could absolutely hit the 20 mark, without a doubt. Yeah, Jared, so you have him 4A. You really think that Joey Bosa's – I think that Joey's not really doing it for me anymore. When it comes to those elite pass rushers, he's the guy who has all the tools, all the intangibles. So if you want to, if you want to say ah four, I, you know, because it's still, it's obviously we're we're splitting hairs up here between you know is this guy top five or top three? Yeah, no, like I think that's I think you made you make an excellent point there where it's sort of we are directly splitting hairs. There's I mean there's also a couple guys like there's Micah Parsons and there's. The cat from the Eagles, uh, Hassan Reddick, like there's all these other guys that I kind of am like, I, I really like them too. So it's it's the differences, I guess, in my mind, whenever I, I think of Max, it's like Max is a lonely dude and they haven't put anything together with him where Joey, it's like they're, they're, they're like, he's always had help. And so I'm always like, I, I see it more is I guess my thoughts. So one of the one of the players that you just brought up Jared it's actually a pretty good point and it also could potentially not change but alter the this conversation and argument a little bit are we talking down lineman or are we talking any edge rusher because um like you just said Micah Parsons his position is technically linebacker he drops back to pass but he also rushes a quarterback quite often. So, I mean, if you if you want to throw Micah Parsons into that and it's not just strictly defensive ends, then I would definitely say that Crosby is more leaning towards five. He wouldn't be a top three because I I would have to put Parsons ahead of Crosby already. Here's what I'll say about Max Crosby that the other three linemen don't do. He plays every down. Yes. He plays every down where he, he has such a higher snap count than those guys when it comes to being on the field. So when your thing is to just, hey, pin your ears back, get after the quarterback, yeah, maybe, let's say if they are better pass rushers, maybe than Max Crosby. When it comes to, hey, he never gives up on a play, he's also a factor in the run game. I do think that that's one of the things that you can't measure it. And, I don't, and I'm trying to say he's got that dog in him and, and those others don't. And that's not what I mean by it's immeasurable, but that motor. You can't measure a guy's motor, but it is something that you see it when you watch the tape, that he's got a higher motor than any of these guys, if you ask me. Well, and then I think that's where we're getting into kind of a almost a semantics argument of is, is Max Crosby a top three defensive end? Yes, but is if we're looking for edge rusher, as in like guy whose job is to rush, then probably not because then we are – we do need to expand to – outside linebackers who are going to come off the edge. All right, we got a text. This is from Jordan in Utah County. He's getting a part of the action, and you can too if you just text the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r I would say he's easily top five and debatable top three. He's healthier than Watt and Joey Bosa, which gives him the fringe top three. If the Raiders can get the rest of the defensive line to step up and force more one-on-one situations – 
the numbers will be what you expect from a DPOY. So, and, but I I personally don't even think it's about other people taking attention from Crosby. A lot of it, like I mentioned, has to do with he's held on a lot of plays. I, I think <laughs> that might also be. I mean, if he's going, if the, if the texture is correct and he does wind up in one on one situations, he's definitely getting held on a lot of plays because that's just that's almost kind of part of the modern offensive line is okay i can hold him this much yeah can't hold him that much mm-hmm. but i can hold him this much and every once in a while you got to skirt that line of eh, i may have held him a little bit longer than i should have but otherwise basically you have the joe burrow line of oh god he's getting hit every single time so i don't know i don't know there's still a certain level of okay we need the product to be watchable all right, and then we got another text. This is from another good one from Sir Whiskey Ray. Damon, happy Tuesday and greetings from Hawaii. Oh All I want to say is that pickleball and thumb wrestling have been activities here on vacation. I think I'll go pro when I return back to Vegas. Anywho, I wanted to brag about my new Love Outside Radio. Also, my theme music to these activities when I play is none other than the Ultimate Warrior entrance song. Sincerely, Q. Sir Whiskey Ray. See, Sir Whiskey Ray, that's a bad Q impersonation because there's no way he knows what the Ultimate Warriors theme song is. No. Not a chance. I I thought he was channeling (laughs) you there at the end of it. Not a chance. Q would say, yeah, the Ultimate Warrior theme song. That's what I'm getting pumped up to. I mean, all right. Q's pop culture savvy, so he would know the Ultimate Warrior if we, like, put up a picture of the Ultimate Warrior in, like, full full makeup. Yeah, he's pop culture savvy, and he would be like, okay, yeah, I've seen him on TV a couple of times when I was a kid. But would he know the song? Oh, I mean... And not only would he know the song, would you see Q listening to that song? Oh, (laughs) not a chance. chance. Not at all. No, of course not. But it's still still a fun idea at some point for us to get flashcards and go, Q, who is this guy with long hair and his face painted? Uh, Ed Hardy. Sting? (laughs) He said Ed Hardy. You mean Jeff Hardy? Jeff Hardy. (laughs) Ed Hardy was those um, ridiculous t-shirts that people were wearing. Dwight Howard always wore. Well, I was trying to think of his brother, and then it just dawned on me. That's Matt Hardy. Yeah. It was Matt and Jeff Hardy. The Hardys. All right, something else that I wanted to talk about today. It was. It's also from Coach McDaniel's interview with Rich Gannon on the 33rd team, where Rich Gannon asked him about, hey, some players or coaches that he would have loved to, loved to compete with or against. He started off with the coaches, but the players is where I, I was like, I, I can get some inspiration to this and use it on the show. Um, I would have loved to have an opportunity to coach against Jimmy Johnson. Um, you know, I've, I've recently had an opportunity to get to know him a little better and, um, what a great coach, great guy, great football mind. Um, you know, would have been really exciting. And in terms of players, um, you know, there's, oh boy, there's a lot of them that come to mind. Uh, when I was growing up, obviously I was a huge Joe Montana fan and, and just able to watch him, you know, do the things he did, you know, when he played and the way he distributed the ball, the way he saw the field, the way he ran the team. Um, I, I, I had an opportunity and a privilege to coach Tom and, and be around him for a long time, and I'd imagine that that's what that felt like. And uh, there's a lot of great quarterbacks I would have wished I had had an opportunity to have, you know, the, the chance to work with or just be around. But Joe was my, was my guy when I was growing up and, and always the guy that I looked up to. All right, so Josh McDaniel's answer to the question, I guess it would have been 
Joe Montana. That's the player that he would have loved to have coached the most. But Raider Nation, the question I ask you is who is the all-time player that you wish was a Raider? All-time, if he could have worn the silver and black, maybe if the contracts would have matched up or if he ever would have been a free agent at a time you wish the Raiders had him, who would that player have been? I saw um going to bring some Twitter you know, chatter to the show where it was just, hey, man, there was a rumor back in 2007 the Packers were going to trade Aaron Rodgers for Randy Moss. And just think about how fantastic that trade could have been for the Raiders. And that's one of those trades where you see just hypothetical trades or people doing the what if or could have been. And I'm like, I don't think that was ever going to happen. I don't think that maybe, but we never saw it. But I don't think that Aaron Rodgers was on the table for Randy Moss, let's say straight up. I mean, I had always heard that. that, oh, that is, that's like one of those rumors that, I mean, you watch Secret Base or you check out SB Nation. That's one of those like rumors that basically by this point has become a foregone, hey, this was definitely a thing that could have happened. But it also could be that, you know, one, if, if Twitter existed back then, it could have been, you know, got Adam Schmeffler. Had been the person, the, uh, had been the uh, source of that, but we didn't have Twitter back then. So instead, it's now twenty years later, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that, of course that was a thing." Was it really, or was it like one of those things that like yeah. one guy mentioned, and now we all are quoting that one? Yeah, guy. fifteen years later, there's nobody to fact check it, and it's a yeah. Remember when that was supposed to happen? Maybe since there was no you know butt crack sports. For you to just say, oh, yeah, that, oh, that's obviously a parody. What's the one that first take always gets? Ball sack sports. <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, it's never bad. Uh, is it weird that uh, Sue would be my pick? Like he just, to me, seems like he always would have been a Raider by now. Ooh, Indomitian Sue? Yeah. People wanted him last season, but Indomitian Sue, not only does he want to play for, you know, let's say the upper echelon of uh, championship contending teams, he also doesn't want to do any of the uh, team building that comes along with it. He's perfectly fine with, call me around week six, let's see where you're at, and I'll come in then. And I want to play play one down per series. Like, he's dictating his terms, which I, hey, good on you, but at the same time, there's just part of me that's like, huh, Warren Sapp kind of came to the Raiders and kind of like, he looked good near the end. What, 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 no, 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 <laughs> no, he didn't. Okay, he looked good for that one year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, didn't look that good at all. Like, no, Warren Sapp, he had a couple of a couple of good games, but you could tell that he was on the decline. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. But oh. Yeah, once he once he left the Bucks, it was all downhill. Yeah. Wh- all right, I'm looking up Warren Sapp stats now. You guys right. talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay. All right, we got a text from Mailman Raider on the don'tbebroke.com text line. He said, I would have loved Marshawn in, his, Marshawn in his prime, not when we had him late in his career. A beast quake in the Coliseum would have been fantastic. That's a good one because I know how hyped not only was Raider Nation but Marshawn Lynch when he signed that contract. It's like, hey, man, he's going to be an Oakland Raider. But if they could have had him in his prime and not just him being a glorified, you know, this one's for the Gipper type of a player, that would have been fantastic, a beast quake. The Marshawn legacy. I mean, and then what he's doing now, like he can—he literally can't miss. He's going to be a PE teacher in a new movie that's coming out this year. Fantastic! Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait. 
<laughs> yeah, where it's um, I can't think of the movie right now, but it's just hey, it's a bunch of girls. They organize a fight club. These high school girls organize a fight club, and they say, oh, well, we need an academic advisor, and they go to Marshawn Lynch, and I'm like, man, this guy's really just doing it all in his second career as. Moving on from football. We got another text here from the 417. Hey, Damon, I always thought Deion Sanders would have looked so good in the Raiders uniform with his do-rag and his swag. That's from Ty Missouri. That's another good one. See, I actually thought about that. Instead of him going to the other Bay Area team, had he gone there and be an anchor for that defense. And so, that you, so let's say early to mid-90s, you got Deion in Oakland. You know, let's just say Hammer comes over for the fun of it. Him and MC Hammer collab on a video or two. I mean, <laughs> would have been perfect. What are you talking about, Jared? I don't know. I just found out that Warren Sapp had 10 sacks his second to last year, so he was still fine. Also, uh, Marshawn Lynch's movie is called Bottoms. We got a release date? I was about to say, like, do we need to let that one sit for a second? <laughs> uh, the release date is not on IMDb. All right. Well, whenever we get a release date for Bottoms, the Unnecessary Roughness crew of Damon, Danny, and Jared, we'll go see it with you. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it a group outing. Yeah, we'll make it a group outing. You know, AMC. Uh, Everyone else is going to go to the rock star (laughs) before the game. We'll all just be like, oh, no, Marshawn's got a kid's movie. This is perfect. It actually comes out during preseason, August 25th. August 25th, guys. Who's with me? (laughs) All right, keep those texts coming. 69187, keyword R&R. And you can also call and be a part of the show at 702-365-9200. But up next, Mason Gordon, we're going to be talking some slam ball. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Pata Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Still trying to get Mason Gordon from Slam Ball, but we'll take a couple of your times while we try to get him on the phone lines. First up, we got Mitch in New Jersey. Mitch, what's on your mind? Hey, guys, doing? Thanks for taking my call. No problem. I just got two things. If it wasn't for a, a devastating injury and the owner being a, a bit of a hothead, a numbskull, on um, Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen playing the same backfield. And Marcus, Jackson, Marcus Allen never leaving the race. Thanks for taking my call. I got to get off the phone. All right, thanks, Mitch in New Jersey. All right, and next up we got Bob. Bob, what you got? Hey, the players that I'd like to see in his Raiders was, there's two of them, Dick Buckus and Sam Huff. Wow. (laughs) Those are some throwbacks right there. Those are throwbacks, but they were bad, bad players. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Bob. All right. Have a good one. one. Thanks for calling in. I like Bob with the throwback where sometimes we're – it's a couple of players because I think in our, let's say, our young state of mind, we're probably just thinking of guys 90 and up. We're just thinking of guys 90 and up. But to hear, let's say, someone like Bob say Dick Buckus, I'm like, that 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 fits. That's fitting. Oh, like from the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're just okay. thinking of players that played in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, but you know, like a dick up dick buckets. That's a great throwback, Jared. Do we have Mason? Oh, okay. Still efforting Mason Gordon from Slam Ball, but like I said, keep those calls, keep those texts coming. 702-365-9200. And you can text us on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R-N-R. And now, without further ado, please introduce our next guest, Mason Gordon from Slam Ball, the CEO and co-founder. How you doing today? Woo! Let's go, Raider Nation! Let's go! Oh, I'm I love so the energy. Excited. I'm so excited. I'm I'm calling you from Slam Ball Training Camp. Less than a mile away from your home stadium, uh, we're like in the shadow of uh, of, the, of the Raider Nation, but we're excited about rolling Slamball out on ESPN July 21st. This is so exciting. Let's go. I love the energy. Like you said, July 21st, Slamball is back. And I know today you guys announced the teams. Can we get a list of the team names that are going to be participating in this iteration of Slamball? Absolutely. We're really excited that we've brought back three of the legacy teams that some people will remember from, you know, our history on cable TV, Spike TV, CBS. Uh, and those teams have won, all won world championships and have uh, really deep rivalries with each other. That's the Mob, the Rumble, the two original Slamball teams, and also the Slashers. And then we've introduced five new teams that we're really excited about, including the Lava, the Wrath, the um uh the lava the wrath uh the oh gosh the buzzsaw the buzz sorry buzzsaw the griffins buzzsaw griffins and uh and we're really excited about how these are rolling out the the response online has been terrific the slam ball rebrand was uh was received so well online it was it was kind of awesome yeah, let's talk about that rebrand you guys are bringing back, Slam Ball. When did you notice that, hey, man, there was a thirst where people were asking for, what happened to Slam Ball? Why not bring it back? When did you see like that online momentum take off where you're like, hey, man, we can make this happen. We can do it again. Well, what was fascinating is we were not the people that were putting up Slam Ball clips. It was, it was uh, fans from back in the day. It was Jason Tatum. It was Overtime elite it was barstool sports it was espn these are the people that were putting out slam ball clips with a hashtag bring back slam ball on it and that media garnered more than half a billion views over the last couple years so we thought it was absolutely the right time to bring slam ball back and also because People are football fans and basketball fans have this giant chunk of the calendar where there's no basketball and there's no football. And slam ball is really where basketball and football cultures collide. It's it's played by basketball and football background athletes in between basketball and football seasons. I, um, thank you for joining us, Mason. I did want to ask you, uh, back when this first started in 2002, you guys were airing your games on Spike TV, and now with this new rebrand and this new league starting up uh, in just a few weeks, I believe it's four weeks away, what yeah. what got you guys linked up with ESPN, Maine, and ESPN Plus and to be able to get your product on that big brand as opposed to what it was back in 2002 on Spike TV? Yeah, it's pretty exciting, isn't it? Uh, I'm still kind of pinching myself. You know, we went out to the broadcast marketplace 
And we thought, yeah, you know, people know slam ball. People love slam ball. Somebody will give this thing a shot. What we didn't expect was to get offers from every single major sports broadcaster. And, uh, you know, just the story, slam ball's back, baby, and it's on ESPN. You couldn't ask for a better story uh, to be on the worldwide leader and to get that kind of rocket fuel statement behind your relaunch. Uh, you know, that was just too good to be true. Again, we're talking to Mason Gordon, the CEO and co-founder of Slam Ball here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio. So I've got to ask you, how did it come about finding the athletes to participate in Slam Ball? Was there just a national or let's say worldwide like scouting hunt? Yeah, so we started talking to athletes and we started reaching out to people that we thought like had the right combination of skills that we were looking for. And it kind of went like this. Hey, there's this thing called slam ball. It started 20 years ago on a warehouse made out of spare parts. And now we're uh, in a warehouse on a court made out of spare parts. And now we're going to be bringing it back. And they were like, stop talking. I've been wanting to play slam ball for the last four or five years. And that excitement level from the athletic community, because slam ball content has continuously gone viral and stayed in their social media feeds for the last several years. So there was just kind of this organic buildup, and we've been able to attract the greatest collection of talent that we've ever had in the sport, the best basketball and football players, and it's about 50-50 basketball and football backgrounds. So we're really excited about how these worlds are going to collide in slam ball and put together the best slam ball played that anybody's ever seen anywhere in the world. Speaking of great talent and basketball players with great talent, one of your investors, Blake Griffin, is there any way that we're going to see him on the court? Because we all know he doesn't even need a trampoline to jump that high. Yeah, none of our guys do. That's what's so exciting. You take guys with a 40-inch vertical and you put them on the slam ball court, they're Spider-Man, they're Miles Morales, and they're bouncing around like you wouldn't believe. Uh, And it's really just about unlocking all this verticality and this incredible, incredible creative space high above the rim and what athletes who already have tremendous athleticism, what they do with it. So there's a really good chance you'll see Blake walking around on the slam ball court. I don't think you'll see him bouncing, but, you know, you never say never. I I had a great meeting with Blake uh, about slam ball, and it was kind of like, yeah, you know, I grew up with this. A lot of the NBA guys grew up watching slam ball thinking it was awesome, and I think the timing is absolutely perfect to bring it back. So he sees what I see, what a lot of people see now, and uh, that's the opportunity for slam ball to be the signature summer sport, and that's what we're going for. All right, so I've got to ask, you mentioned Blake Griffin, him being one of the investors and NBA guys liking the product. I remember the first time around, Xavier McDaniel was one of the head coaches. Do you have any former NBA players who are going to be coaching again this time around? No, uh, you know, I love X. He's one of my favorite people in the world, and he's one of the great slam ball coaches, won a, a, a world championship in Series 2 on Spike TV. That was really awesome to see. Um, but this time around, we really focused on the OG slam ball coaches, the guys that are really, like, dedicated slam ball, uh, slam ball coaches and slam ball minds, and also the best slam ball players who are now making the leap to being slam ball coaches. It's really important to us that 
Flamball uh, fans who, who check us out think that there's an internal logic to the sport and the idea that players become coaches and coaches continue to coach. And not for nothing, but Coach Carter and Brendan Kirsch from the Mob and the Rumble might be the longest tenured coaches in pro sports history at uh, 23 years. That's how long they've been coaching those teams. All right, we're um, one of the just to go back to investors. Um, I do see that you guys have a a couple of heavy hitters involved. Uh, speaking on David Adelman, who owns the 76ers and the Devils. You got Michael Rubin with Fanatics. How? What was the process like to get those type of people involved in Slam Ball? Well, they say timing is everything, and uh, you know when we saw the hashtag Bring Back Slam Ball movement, we were like, "Hey, let's just go out to the capital markets and see how interested people are." And this is a re- it's been a really challenging venture capital environment for a few years now, and uh, so. You know, you could expect that anybody would have trouble, uh, you know, raising money in that environment. But we were oversubscribed in just a few months. So it was really clear that Slam Ball was coming back at the right time. And we put together an absolutely star-studded A-list group of investors uh, to run our Series A. And uh, many of them are going to be there on uh, July 21st when we do this relaunch. And I don't think this is just going to be... I um I don't think this is just going to be a sporting event. I think it's going to be a cultural event. Slam ball is backed by popular demand, and we're really happy to be able to give the people what they want. Yeah, I don't want to speak for Damon or Jared here in the room with me, but I'm very excited that it's back. It's been 20 years in the making. Thanks, man. Well, I mean, think about it this way. It's kind of that Russell Crowe in Gladiator thing. It's like, are you not entertained? You Absolutely. Got, uh, You've got a linebacker from the University of Nebraska lining up against a small forward from Kansas. Like, where are you going to find that anywhere else in sports? So not to mention the, you know, 720 and 900-degree dunks people are going to be doing, uh, the flip dunks, the just everything that you're not going to see anywhere outside of a video game. We're speaking with Mason Gordon here, the Slam Ball CEO. Uh, i got to ask you, uh, this time around you guys are – going to be playing in Las Vegas at the Cox Pavilion on the campus of UNLV. How did you come to bring the league here and play on UNLV's campus as opposed to really anywhere else in the country? What made Vegas so so big to you guys that you wanted to bring it here? Well, Vegas is rapidly becoming the sports epicenter of the entire country. I mean, once F1 hits later this year and the A's are coming, like <clears> – <throat> Who else is competing with Vegas, you know, just in terms of authenticity? And then Vegas has the sports credibility that's clearly, like, on the absolute apex. And then they've also got the entertainment credibility. So I think, you know, we've got a a really unique sports product that's highly entertaining. And a lot of people look at Slam Ball and they're like, oh, wow, that's the NBA meets Cirque du Soleil. So where better to do that than in Vegas? All right, Mason, we're going we're gonna to get you out of here. We know you got a busy day. You're down there for training camp right now. But I've got to ask you, for the people that think, oh, it's just basketball and they're just jumping on trampolines, can you give us some of the rules that may, maybe people are missing out on when it comes to slam ball? Yeah, slam ball is hostile, mobile, agile. 
We're unapologetically high-flying and unapologetically hard-hitting. It's four-on-four, hockey-style substitutions. There's a dedicated defender like in hockey, and the action is just absolutely fast and furious. It's high-flying with players getting up to 18 or 19 feet in the air in order to slam the ball over the defender using very sophisticated uh, strategy in order to create patterns to outmaneuver the stopper, which is a dedicated defender. So we really think that there's so much to like about slam ball strategically. And if you have any opportunity to go see this thing live, you've never seen anything like it in your life. Slam ball live is the ultimate uh, killer application for watching slam ball. And uh, we can't wait to show it to the world. One of my most favorite rules that you guys have is letting the player who got fouled go one-on-one against the player who fouled them. That is by far must-watch TV. Love it. Yeah, the face-off. That's our signature penalty shot. And we don't have free throws because there's nothing free in slam ball. Absolutely not. (laughs) So I I do want to ask you real quick a real fun question. What We went over the team names earlier, and what is – your favorite logo because i'm looking at these right now and i gotta say mine is probably between the griffin and the uh wrath i love them all but i gotta tell you the fact that it took us 20 years to figure out that the mob should be in pinstripes uh i'm really excited to unveil that kit later i think next week is when we roll out the kits all right mason gordon thank you Excuse me, thank you so much for joining us here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio. And I know the broadcast is coming up soon. I mean, I did the radio broadcast for the XFL Vipers here in Vegas. If you need a guy, I'm available. That's all I'm saying. Let's go. I I might know somebody as well. (laughs) You know, I'm not too good to pitch myself for a job. I dig it, man. Send me a video. Let me check it out. All right, man. Thank you for coming on with us. Go Raiders! Yeah! Man, that was great. Mason Gordon, that was Slam Ball awesome. CEO. I love it. Yeah, man, I'm pumped up for some Slam Ball. I'm ready to go jump on a trampoline right now. <laughs> Let's do it. We, it's always good to see Danny excited. Yeah. There's a Walmart down the street. We could just go there. We need one more guy. That's all we need. <laughs> there we, we go. We got to finish the show, but 5 o'clock, if you're listening locally, <laughs> meet us at the studio. Meet, meet us at Walmart. We'll yeah. just borrow their their trampoline there. We won't just even buy it. Just set it up it. all up in yeah. Walmart. Yeah, yeah, that works too. That, oh, dude, we got to do it. We got to do it. Go full on parking lot slam ball. <laughs> this yo, it hurts even more in our league. We're taking it to the streets. So everyone else got road rash. Literally. All right. When we come back, we're going to get some more of your calls and your texts here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. It's Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. And we're back here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. This had a fantastic interview with Mason Gordon, the CEO and co-founder of Slam Ball. I mean, he was excited. I'm excited. We're all excited. We're going to, you know, just play a little Slam Ball at Walmart. You know, they got all the tools you need right there. So how about we just get that started after the show? But the show question for today was, do you think Max Crosby is a top three pass rusher in the NFL? And inspired by Josh McDaniel's interview with Rich Gannon on the 33rd team yesterday. Who is a player that you always wanted to see in the silver and black? Who's a player that you think would have been a great fit for the Raiders? And we got a text on the don'tbebroke.com text line from Mailman Raider. I would have also loved to have seen Brian Urlacher and Ed Reed in the silver and black. 
They had that hard-hitting mentality like all the old-school Raider linebackers and safeties. Now, that man, these answers just keep getting better. Because Ed Reed, as a Raider, the mind, the athleticism, where he's just, and then just the attitude of, man, that guy was just built different, Ed Reed was. I always remember whatever you know top 100 players it was on NFL Network where Bill Belichick's talking about the way how he played Peyton Manning beautifully. He basically just you know slacked off on the play, let Peyton Manning know that, hey, I'm going to be over here. Does a U-turn, bolts it back, gets the interception, and then for Ed Reed to say, yes, I did something in a game two weeks before that. So when he was looking at film, he would think that's where I was supposed to be in that alignment. And that's next-level great stuff because you know that Peyton Manning is watching film so hard. Yeah, I did something in a game two weeks ago. To set him up. to set him up. (laughs) That's next-level stuff. That's where you get that all-time greatness from that Ed Reed had. And – the uh, the story I always remember was uh, Dom Foxworth, who played corner for him. Would he would just on certain plays go, Dom, let him get past you. I got this. <laughs> like just he would just he would while they're out there lining up, he'd just be like, so so you just want me to let my guy just get behind me? Yeah, I'm gonna get an interception right now. All right, here's another text that we got on the don'tbebroke.com text line. I've always envied the impact Ray Lewis and Ed Reed had on Baltimore's defense. They could have made the Raiders formidable for years as long as Al and the D.C. of the moment would have let them loose. But after all these years, if the Raiders weren't cheated out of acquiring John Elway, the ripple effect could have been enormous. We can take most, if not all, of those five Elway donkey Super Bowl appearances away because he carried them to the first three and willed them to victory in the fourth. Elway's competitiveness, smarts, athleticism, and arm may have even added a few trophies to our trophy case. Good start to the show, fellas. That's from Robin Oakland. And that's 100% one of my favorite things. And we can probably get into this with John McClain a little bit because he's the, you know, yeah, let's do the it. Hall of Famer. But one of my favorite things of going back and watching old Super Bowls is watching teams make it to the Super Bowl that I'm like, so you guys just had one good guy. <laughs> And those John Elway teams that first went to the Super Bowl were, okay, so so John's going to do this for like 90 yards? Okay. It works. Sometimes yeah. that's all you need. They used to make a joke <laughs> about it that he would throw the ball so hard that he would imprint it in your chest because he was afraid you were going to drop it. Hey, man, if it works, it works. And it worked for him for a good little minute. And when we come back, maybe we will talk to John McClain about this as John McClain joins us next here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.